coming up on Pass the Secret Sauce. Because oftentimes we don't have the patience maybe because we're just moving so fast mm -hmm. to step back and say what the before picture was you had a good idea you had a good product you know you started the company you had some budget in it from investors and such but to the extent you said let's define what the quality offering is here mm -hmm. you know and I, I always have that at the center that that great brands have a quality about them that if you can document that, why why your product is different, why that difference is meaningful to the customer, mm -hmm. and why that's relevant to their daily life or their business, then you're a long way away. Welcome to the show. I'm Matt Shields. On Pass the Secret Sauce, we unscramble the life stories, skills, and secrets from the most wicked smart minds and interesting people to uncover their experience and recipes for success that will help you get an edge on your own life. My goal is to help you rein in on the chaos that life throws at us by learning from other high achievers. If you're new to the show, we have episodes with founders, CEOs, investors, and leaders. So if you like to learn and are motivated to improve your life, then kick back and listen to our guests pass their secret sauce. Today on Pass the Secret Sauce, we have Mark Stinson. Mark is the founder and the principal at Bioscience Bridge, which Bioscience Bridge has a really interesting background, how it, how it started, and Mark and I get into some of those conversations. But really what they, they focus in on is helping people establish brands and you know position themselves in the market where they're going to have success. So I personally am a huge believer in building brands, you know, making sure that you understand what your brand stands for. So we get into a lot of those initial conversations as to why all of this is important and some tips and techniques for extracting and pulling out some of that information in your own in your own business. So if you are struggling with your brand, if you're looking to create a brand, this episode on Pass the Secret Sauce is definitely one that you're not going to want to miss. Well, growing up as a child, our dinner table was that kind of, uh, well, because it was mid-century. So I say mid-century, <laughs> you know, <laughs> metal kitchen table uh -huh. with the uh, vinyl-covered chairs okay we probably had a a fruit bowl in the middle of the table with the plastic fruit <laughs> because you know we, fruit was not a thing when i was a kid but uh we we always did come together for dinner mm -hmm. you know dad got off work at five it was probably a 10 minute commute i was finishing piano lessons or you know coming home from the paper route whatever i was mm -hmm. doing but you know by 5 20 5 30 all four of us were around the dinner table. And uh, the afternoon paper had come. So my dad was probably checking out, you know, the headlines. For some reason, he also had this quirky habit of reading the editorials to us, Okay, which was kind of annoying. Yeah. Because it's like, if we wanted to read, we certainly knew how to read. Or, you know, if we wanted to hear what Paul Harvey thought we could turn into Good the day. Paul Harvey show. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> yep. But then, uh, you know, mom had made up uh, uh, whatever fried cuisine. I grew up in Louisiana. So it wasn't, if it wasn't fried, if it wasn't covered with some kind of gravy, mm -hmm. you know, why, why would you have it at all? 
Yeah. So yeah. we had the fried pork chop, the fried chicken, the fried okra, the fried most anything. And uh, it was good times. I love it. You know, we'd chat around the table and that's that's how it would go. Every now and then it would get a little, uh, uh, the volume might have been elevated a bit. Yeah. But yeah. Mo- mostly good. Yeah. No, that's great. Do you still play piano today by chance? No, I, you know what? I can still read music. And I, I guess if I kind of picked around, I, I remember over Christmas, you know, you try to play Jingle Bells and you yeah. try to play some other stuff. And now my granddaughter is taking piano and it's kind of it all coming back to me. And she's in that new piano lesson kind of mode where she really likes doing it. Yeah. Uh, eventually, I was like, I'm not sure I got 30 minutes of patience to sit down here, but right now she does. So it's great to watch. No, oh, that's cool. That's cool. I've, I've always wished I was musically inclined. I, I just don't have the mental dexterity to be able to sit there and, yes. you know, learn, a, learn a, an instrument. So, you know, I'm always go, go, go. But uh, well, every year I have this New Year's, whether you call it resolution, intention or goal, you know, pick the guitar back up, you know, yeah. have some fun with it. And that never happens. Yeah. So, but I, I'm musically inclined and I like to go to coffee shops and bars and listen to it. Yeah, no, yeah, exactly. That's what I, I'm good at that too. So yes. <laughs> I have to hone that talent. <laughs> so, so growing up, did you have any, any experience or any exposure to any type of entrepreneurialism or anything along those lines at all by chance? Oh, absolutely. And, uh, you know, I think about even, I must've been third or fourth grade, I probably fourth grade. You know, I sold magazine subscriptions uh, to uh, Grit Magazine. It was kind of a, a country kind of a magazine and also a TV guide. Mm-hmm. But later I took on this paper route and it started with maybe, I don't know, 50 houses. Mm-hmm. And it was the old fashioned, you know, ride your bike along and toss the paper up on the porch. But pretty soon I realized, you know, this this could actually be a business. Yeah. And so I uh, continued to expand and then it became, you can drive in your car and you can throw out the paper out the window. So it became a family business, in fact. And we had a whole schedule and we, you know, who oh, was wow. going to get up at five in the morning and who was going to do the afternoons. And yeah. pretty soon we grew this thing to like 350, 400 customers. Wow. And uh, it was a legitimate, you know, uh, family business and did that for like uh, seven or eight years. Wow. And, you know, it paid for a lot of college expenses and, you know, other uh, frivolity that, you know, I could take the cash on a weekly basis yeah. out of the business. I was doing yeah. my draws. Exactly. Even yeah. <laughs> uh, that's great. So that was my introduction to business. How, how did you guys, you know, market that? I mean, I'm assuming you're, you would be in charge of bringing more people on board, more subscribers, correct? How, how, yes, how did you fact, guys find? You know, I, I finally kind of encapsulated these stories about what I learned as a paper boy, you know, because you yeah. really start thinking about this, right? And uh, so, like I say, this image of being the paper boy says you go down, you get the papers, you fold them up or put a rubber band or whatever. But, but as a business, oh my goodness. So the marketing, you know, a lot of people thought it was their constitutional right to get a morning paper. Mm-hmm. And if it wasn't there when they wanted it, if it wasn't, you know, thrown exactly where they wanted to pick it up, you know, you would get the call. So, but it wasn't so much a marketing as the collections became a big issue. And mm-hmm. I know even now you think about all the small business people who worry about collecting the fees or collecting yeah. the subscriptions or whatever on a monthly basis, but, you know, going door to door to get the seven bucks or whatever it was, yeah. Uh, and, and people resisting, like, you'll have to come back. Yeah. I'm like, look, I'm in junior high. 
Yeah. <laughs> I, I just need the seven dollars. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> Don't give me any lip about this. Now, you know, the only sidebar is uh, you know, I was able to go to my then girlfriend, now wife's house to collect for the newspaper, got to know her mom. She liked me. So when it came time to make the proposal, you know, I got mom's endorsement. Yeah. <laughs> I love I love that that uh, that title. What I learned as a paper boy that, that, yeah. that that's got to be a book or something. Yeah, you know, that's, yeah, there, uh, there, some guy did write a book, but I just said you know you you start connecting the dots with the customer service, the experience, mm-hmm. the I don't want to go to work today. I'm sorry, that's not an option. Yeah. You know, and so and, and even keeping the books. You know, if I had QuickBooks, then I would have been crazy mad. But yeah, keeping it all straight was a lot of fun. Yeah, and even. That. You know, the, the paper, Gannett, you know, was the owner of the paper. And so they would raise the price of the actual newspaper to the carriers like us. Okay. And you would say, oh, my supply chain, you know, now you'd use these fancy terms. Yeah. You'd say, oh, my supplier just jacked me on the cost of my goods, yep. you know. And so I can't raise the rates because everybody charges the same thing for the newspaper. Yeah. And yet they're cutting into my profit. Again, when you're 17 years old, you're kind of at the mercy of the man. Yeah. But uh, it, it, a lot of lessons learned there. No, that's, I love that you picked up on so many of these things, you know, at that, that early age and, you know, being able to, to reflect on those things now, you know, it's, it, it's cool. And so, so what did that, what did that foundation catapult you into? What types of things did you do, you know, after the paper route was, or the paper business was, was, uh, was done? Yeah. Well, I always wanted to be a newspaper reporter. I, I studied journalism in college, but I, I applied my writing skills into advertising. Mm-hmm. And so as I started my advertising career, and then that took off and decades later, that's what I was doing. And so I really, I like to laugh that I've been in the media business since I was 14. Mm-hmm. Well, <laughs> you know, throwing the newspaper, yeah. writing articles for it, and then placing ads in it are totally different things, but I I like to maybe uh, see some continuum of purpose across there. Yeah. I love that. I love that. So, so you, did you end up becoming a a writer where you were? Yes. And so, you know, advertising copywriter, then creative director. And then over time, I've just continued to narrow the focus and hone in on what I really do love. And that's brands and brand strategy. Mm -hmm. So I don't so much write a commercial anymore or Certainly, uh, you know, I haven't placed any media in a long time, but the, the idea of getting a brand mindset mm-hmm. and helping clients. Virtus Technology is a custom business software solution provider. Are you tired of manual entry into an old system that creates more work than it helps? Does your company suffer from constant pain and frustration around its business processes? Do you spend a lot of time and money trying to hunt information down or figure out what is happening in your business? Virtus Technology can help solve all of this. We evaluate your current processes and then create custom software or mobile apps to automate and streamline your business process, eliminating a lot of those pains and frustrations. Unlike other systems, our goal is to digitize your current processes and systems so that your staff's learning curve is very small. If you're ready to take your business operations to the next level, give Virtus Technology a call today. Really determine what that brand is. Not, you know, can I 
say better, quicker, faster, and copy necessarily. And like many of your listeners, I get those emails every day that says, if you just would write your emails like this, 10,000 yeah. people will buy from you and send me 1495 and I'll send you the, the template. Yeah. Yeah. It just doesn't work that way. And I, I much prefer the strategy part where let's elevate to a customer connection sort of way. Mm -hmm. And let's get a sense that we're serving, not pushing. You know, we're not I trying to that. sell people, but let's elevate our presence and our experience enough that clients and customers would want to uh, engage with you. Yeah, I, I, I couldn't agree more. So we've, we've, we've gone through this process actually right here is one of our brands. I, I see that. Yeah. A little, little plug there, but, uh, <laughs> but uh, uh, I know I absolutely love that. So, so what types of things can someone do who's maybe just, you know, starting a company and, and actually, you know, before we get to that, let's, let's talk a little bit about the importance of a brand. And when you, in your experience, someone who's come to you for help, you know, whatever, in whatever business they might've been in, what happened once they actually, as you were saying, like elevated themselves and elevated their messaging, their brand, their, the look, the feel of their business, what happened to them as, you know, as a company, you know, because they, they took that extra step, you know, to, to go through those different exercises and, you know, understand what it is that they stand for and, and, you know, all of that. So, yeah, it's a great question, Matt, because oftentimes we don't have the patience maybe because we're just moving so fast mm -hmm. to step back and say what the before picture was, you had a good idea, you had a good product, you know, you started the company, you had some budget in it from investors and such. But to the extent you said, let's define what the quality offering is here. Mm -hmm. You know, and I, I always have that at the center. That, that great brands have a quality about them, that if you can document that, why, why your product is different, why that difference is meaningful to the customer, mm -hmm. and why that's relevant to their daily life or their business, then you're a long way away because so many entrepreneurs, especially, but I've worked with multinational, you know, biopharma companies and healthcare concerns. They, they all have this superiority complex. Mm -hmm. You know, mm -hmm. it usually works the other way than inferiority, right? We, we've, we've invented the greatest thing since sliced bread. Mm -hmm. It is the better mousetrap. And all we have to do is get the word out and customers will flock to us. Yeah. Well, that's just, that's not how it works. But then I think the other thing that we've recognized is that beyond the quality offering, if you can develop a quality experience, you know, how you sell the product, how you communicate the product, mm -hmm. all the way through, how do you take the order? How do you service the customer? What is your return policy? You know, what is your complaint department? You know, all these things that say, I really like doing business mm -hmm. with this company. And whether you're the one man consultant, you know, in the strip mall, or whether you are the multinational, you know, you're in 73 countries around the world, yeah, there's a customer and there's an experience. Mm -hmm. And uh, I think that that's a, a big lesson learned yeah, that I've and, seen over time. And, and you touched on quite a few different things. Like a lot of times, at least for me, when I hear the, the term branding, I always think like, here's, here's the logo, you know, this is what it looks like. Exactly. But, but you, you know, you're absolutely right. There's so much more to, you know, evaluating that entire experience, you know, from the point when they first find you and, you know, going all the way through the, you know, through the, the entire buying process or, you know, whatever process it is that you're, you're sending people through. What are some of the, 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 the tips 
well, not tips, but I guess the process that you do with your clients to start to understand and, and extract what that experience looks like. Yeah, glad you asked, Matt. So I first of all, I've documented this whole process. So anybody who wants to read about it, it's called Forward Fast Branding. And uh, it's one of the books that I've, I've published. And the model really is, if you think about the forward fast symbol, you know, you've got a play button that's mm -hmm. that little one triangle, and then you've got fast forward, and that's the two triangles. And each one of those points represents one of six attributes of a brand. Mm -hmm. And it's funny you mentioned logo because that is what we think about sometimes of the mm -hmm. brand, but that's only one of six of the attributes of a brand. And so I workshop and these days, of course, that's a virtual workshop, but mm -hmm. I love to go to the whiteboard and you draw those two triangles and you say, if we want to move forward fast, not slow, you know, nobody says to me, we've got all the time in the world, we got all the money in the <laughs> yeah. world, let's just take it easy. <laughs> yeah. Instead, just like last week, I get a client that says, well, I know we've been on hold for two years, but now we need it next week. Yeah. So that's yeah. forward fast, you know? <laughs> yep, yep. So, so, so so I, I just take them through each one of those things. And my role is to facilitate that thinking. Right. I don't come with the answer necessarily. I may have you know, done focus groups with uh, some of their customers. I may have interviewed a lot of their executives or team members personally, but I don't try to come with the answer. I try to bring the answer out. Mm -hmm. And maybe that's more of a Aristotelian you know, kind of teaching method, but uh, that, that's the, what, I, what I do with clients. No, I, I love it. And I've, I've participated in this and actually that's where this this brand mm -hmm. came from but i've participated in in something exactly like that and i can't tell you how valuable it is because you know when you are when you're you know heads down face down in the business you know you you have your blinders on you don't necessarily see you know everything else that's going on so if you have a facilitator there and you're going through these you know different ex exercises explanations you know that that facilitator you know can can pull out those hey you know let, let's talk a little bit more about this or you said that or you know, does this feel right, you know, with the way that you, you the way that you put that? So, you well, know, and I got to tell you, you know, and clients, uh, I, I go to them and I say, look, this is a two day workshop. We'd like to start on, you know, the afternoon of a one day, continue on, have dinner. Let's all talk about it. Let's ruminate on it. Let's sleep on it. Let's come back the next day for a full day mm -hmm. of knocking, you know, heads on this thing and really think, and they go, ah, we really don't have two days. You know, can we do this over lunch? Yeah. You know, like, yeah, no, you exactly. can't do this over lunch. Yeah. So again, as team leaders, as executives, again, whether you're the small uh, business startup or you're, you know, a growing corporate concern, you, you've got to dedicate the time to the thinking. And how many people of us have said, I wish I just had time to think we're so busy in the business, mm -hmm. we'd have it. So I'm giving you that time. So allow that time, allow that space because again, the clients will always come back to me and say, well, you know, you did tell us we needed two days. Yeah. We told you we could get it done in one, but we couldn't. So <laughs> can you come back now for three weeks running? Yeah. And we're going to take each Thursday and knock it out. Yeah. It's yeah. like, okay, that that's a reasonable alternative. Yeah, no, that's great. That's great. So, so I have to ask, what are the, what are the six points? You know, what are those, what are those categories or what are those? Yeah. So I, you know, instead of starting with logo, I always start with another L and that's likability okay. that, and it's almost cliche now, but I mean, people need to appreciate that we do business with brands we like. Mm -hmm. And so if you say, you know, I really like, 
you know, this uh, fabric softener because of that little teddy bear, you know, or I like this cereal because of their mascot, or I like this, you know, soup because it's mm, good, mm -hmm. then that's a likable brand. Mm -hmm. So then you can translate that into a logo and you say, so if that brand has a personality, how are you going to communicate that? So it's mm -hmm. sort of a, you can feel that that's an in and out, you know, it's likable because it's, you know, being expressed that way. Mm -hmm. And the logo should reflect that. Then the third is that quality offering. And those three points represent that first arrow, the play button. Mm -hmm. You can't even have a brand. You can't say you have a brand unless you have those three. And then I move to the forward fast and you have a brand association, and that's all the things around your brand. You might have a foundation, you might have a guarantee, you might have you know, a research uh, and a molecule kind of a ingredient, you know? and then there's a brand attitude. And of course, you know, the uh, Just Do It is the most famous brand yeah. attitude out there, and I'm loving it, you know, and solid as a rock, mm -hmm. you know? and these things have this uh, brand attitude. And then the sixth one is the quality offering, or I'm sorry, the quality experience. Uh, so you build the experience around it. You know, you just think about, we've all been Amazon primed. Amazon, uh, they've started to do their own brand uh, products, but most of the products on Amazon are not theirs. Mm -hmm, right. So they're creating an experience. And so to the extent you say, hey, would you like it this afternoon? Would you like it tomorrow? Would you like to put it in you know, the same shipment and we'll send it to you Friday? You wanna get a credit for video if you, you know, let us send it whenever we want. I mean, all these things that are the return policy. Now I can take it to Whole Foods to return it. I mean, all of these things have been built around a, a primed customer experience. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. And these, this is where the market's going. I, I love that. I love that. I, and I couldn't agree more. I mean, you have to, you have to understand, understand your customers, understand their needs. And when you're going through this process, you know, especially on the, on the, I guess the experience side of things, how do you map that out? I mean, I, I actually quite literally, I think two or three days ago, I woke up in the middle of the night. We, we, we had a, an event happen that prior day. So I woke up at like three o'clock in the morning and quite literally you know, looked at this as a script. You know, I, I, I quite literally said, okay, you know, here's the scene, here's, you know, the one actor, here's the second actor, and, and basically created these different scenarios. And, you know, if this response comes back, you know, then this is the way that you go. And I, I you know, that's basically the way that I delivered it. And then everybody, you know, everybody sort of got it. Do you do something similar when you're going through that entire you experience, are you mapping it, it out in, you know, different conversation type things, or have you yeah. found a different way to be able to do that? Well, and Matt, if I could, I'll take that in three different chunks uh, without belaboring any one of them. But the, the first is what you've described this kind of decision tree, like mm -hmm. script, right? If yes, then over here, if no, you know, or if they say X, Y, or Z, here's how we'll respond. Mm -hmm. and, and that's good, because it does make you think through these scenarios, right? Yeah. The, the second way I think about it is as a customer journey. And uh, so again, another kind of workshop technique that anybody can do is to just paper the walls, you know, or create some sort of schem schematic on your screen and go through the steps a customer's journey mm -hmm. from this interest to, you know, uh, research phase to then they contact me, uh, you know, all the way. Mm -hmm. So we did this a couple of years ago with a client and literally in a, this hotel conference room. Remember when we did meetings like that? Yeah, right. Uh, 
but we papered the walls with these flip charts and said, look, there's seven or eight major steps, but within each one of those, there are these points. And so if you think of these touch points and say, what could we do to address a concern? What could we do to improve the experience? What could we do to speed it up? Mm -hmm. What could we do to overcome an objection? As the touch points, mm -hmm. uh, it's a real good thought process. And then I guess the third thing I'll offer is, and this is another model that I, sh I share in another book, but it's called CHEM, C-H-E-M. If you think about customer chemistry. Okay. And at each one of these touch points, you say, how do I connect, you know, and have a personal connection? How do I have a honest dialogue? That's the H, honesty. Mm -hmm. Don't try to go flim flam on the customer. That's when it all breaks down. Yeah. And then the E is for easy. So how can you hit the easy button? Yep, <laughs> so yep. for the client. And then the M is to motivate. How do we encourage the customer to take the next step? Not force, not close, you know, but to motivate them to advance the relationship, to move to the next step of the journey, you know, to give a trial offer, to give a, you know, something that will advance the relationship. And so I think between all three of those, you've got some ingredients for a, a nice way to think about the, the journey. Yeah, no, I, I, I completely agree. And when you're going through this process, how do you, how do you know when enough is enough, I guess? Or how, you know, if you're starting to, to develop too much into one, you know, one facet, how, you know, is there, is there a line or is there some type of a, uh, you know, a measuring stick that you can use to know that, okay, I think we have, you know, the perfect process right now, or is it just a feeling, you know, when it's there? Well, there is somewhat of a cyclical nature to this, right? Mm -hmm. We're going to research it, then we're going to do it, and we're going to workshop it. Then we got to try it, put it into practice. Mm -hmm. and, and I like to think that in all honesty, as smart as we are, as great a consultant facilitator I might be, and mm -hmm. it's brilliant as the executives in the room might be, we probably don't have all the answers. And I always defer to the customer as the final arbiter of if we're getting it right or not. Mm -hmm. So, uh, you know, I, I like to keep a little bit of a contingency mindset. Let's go out and try it. Or let's give this sales brochure. Let's give this website. Let's give this, you know, call center. You know, let's give this a chance. Mm -hmm. Let's give it, and it might be six weeks. It might yeah. be six months, but we don't need to wait forever, but we also don't want to make a knee jerk decision. Yeah. And so I like to keep an open mind. Uh, I had a, a client the other day called this the beginner's mindset, mm -hmm. which is, you know, a well-known term, but we often don't apply it because we want the answer. Mm -hmm. <laughs> right, know? right. But if we go in with an open mind and say, let's try it, then the, the sales, whether they be a hockey stick curve of sales, or if they be, well, we certainly turn that around or we don't get that objection anymore or we, you know, increased our trial rate, you know, by 75%, whatever those metrics might be. And let's agree on those up front, but let's, let's give it some air and let's give it a chance. And then we come back. Not because I want to be one of those consultants that say we're never done just to charge you, you yeah. know, over and over the monthly fee, but rather to say we're, we're in search of the answer. Yeah, and we may right. have to keep looking. Yeah, so so sort of reminds me of an approach that Jeff Bezos takes, and obviously he's you know 
a genius when it comes to to business and all of that. He's done basically, pretty well. Yeah, yeah, you know. <laughs> but he uh, you, he approaches everything with a, a day one attitude, right? So so they actually they have buildings named day one, but but basically look at everything as if you are, you know, this is the first day in business and you don't have all of these things set in place yet. You know, let's get out there, let's test it. And there's going to be failures. Things aren't going to work. But if you keep that day one mentality where, you know, you don't ever sort of get laxed in the way that you're doing things or arranging things or, you know, processing things, and you always have this ability to be able to change things, you know, your eyes are always open to those, that possibility, that potential. So, oh, so um, true. Well, and Matt, you were pointing out the uh, logo on your hat. I just realized I have my fast uh, company hat. on, yeah. And I think about, uh, and I've had this since the year 2000, I went to a fast company uh, workshop for like a week. But uh, even the speakers there, you know, you think of Jim Collins and good to great. Uh, I also met a guy named Dave Pednayak and his company is Jump. And it was very much go out into the customer's uh, world, you know, and observe, ask questions and listen. And I found a lot of the my colleagues who were at this were very defensive. Like, I can't believe the customers are so dumb. Mm-hmm. You know, they didn't know this or why didn't they try it that way? Yeah. And I'm thinking, boy, you got it upside down, man. Yeah. You know, it's you guys. If, that... if, <laughs> exactly. <laughs> if you're going to accuse the customers of not getting what you tried to, I mean, this is like the teacher saying, oh, these students, they just don't get it. Yeah. Well, that's your job, you know? Yep. So we are the, we are the teachers, we're the instructors, and we should have our ears open and, uh, learn from the customers. Yeah, yeah. Yeah. So, so what's next for you? What, uh, what are some of the things that you're looking forward to here in, in uh, this next coming year? Yeah, well, the coming year, you know, I think a lot of people have said, boy, last year was awful. You know, it was a wreck. And of course, lifestyle wise, business wise, uh, even personal, you know, now it's really becoming clear that everyone's been affected by pandemic Mm -hmm. and in some way or shape or fashion. But the coming year for me is to really further reflect on some of the tools and processes that you and I are talking about. Mm -hmm. And to the extent that I can help other people document their tools and processes, whether that's in a book, I'm enjoying podcasting like you, Matt. And it's just to keep getting fed creatively, Mm -hmm. you know, and it's, I'm not the, I I like content creation as much as anybody, but I don't feel like I'm a content marketer, like I'm developing something that I want to push or sell or promote, but rather could I engage and listen and get fed by the creativity of other people? And I enjoy dialogues like this. It's a chance to learn from other people's experiences. Yeah, no, I love it. I love it. If people want to learn more about you or your services, what would be the best way to do that? Yeah. So my website is www.mark-stinson.com. So S-T-I-N-S-O-N.com. There you'll see my books. You'll see some uh, audio uh, programs like podcasts. Uh, you'll also see an outline of these models and uh, ways to you know, c- connect as if you want a workshop, if you want facilitation, but that way, you know, we have a chance to dialogue on all those things. And I love connecting with people on LinkedIn. For some reason, there was another Mark Stinson, apparently. So I'm Stinson Mark on LinkedIn. Uh, <laughs> tricky. I looked for you, actually. I'm like, I don't know which one it is. So yeah, so I'm, I'm I'll look you up now. <laughs> Stinson Mark. <laughs> got it. Got it. <laughs> no, Mark, this has been fantastic. You know, thanks for the time. Thanks for being on Past the Secret Sauce. And- well, you have, you have a great program. I love listening to some of your episodes. And I'm addicted to the theme song. 
So uh, it's been a, it's been on my head since uh, the first time I heard see it. the little jingle there that maybe yeah, some I, of the branding I, that I've uh, I that I've done. love it yeah it sticks with you that's it great does. that's great <laughs> I love it thanks Mark all right talk to you soon thanks for listening and remember pass the secret sauce.